Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast it's the football podcast. Everybody's here, we're all talking football, which is good, but not like local football, more more national. Not the re- not regional, national. It, it's England football we're discussing. Obviously, there's last week's games to go through, but this coming week it is England football. So, there's that to look forward to. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. The big one there, people, is share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send them this podcast. They might even thank you for it. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is CookieCast Football Podcast. Recording in progress. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time of the week again. We're here. To give you all you need to know about the footballing world that involves Middlesbrough, Hull, Nottingham Forest and another team that never ever needs to be mentioned until they change. Um, but welcome on in, like I said, Middlesbrough, Hull and Nottingham Forest covered uh, by myself, Mr Woodmansey and Mr Moore and obviously your um, guest predictions for a uh, what feels like fifth or sixth week in a row will be coming Next week, uh, via the uh, via the Derby County method of uh, Mr. Andrew Cook, which uh, in the international break, which it is this week, we may have to uh, reconsider, shall we say? But yes, how are we this week, gents? How are we all doing? Good. I always feel these weeks are. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Shit. That's the word I'm looking for uh, because. Um, <laughs> You know what it is? It's because we've been spoiled for the last however long now with Saturday, Tuesday, slash Wednesday, and then you come to this week and it's like, Saturday, nothing for a fortnight. It's not even Saturday. Well, yeah, true, actually. <gasps> so, yes, in the break, yeah, this week we predicted the uh, England games. Sadly, no domestic games for us to go through. But before we get there... We've got Week 10's games to do a little wrap-up of. So, Week 10 started with my boys as the early kickoff on Saturday morning. Or Saturday afternoon, sorry. Where they took the very short trip up the A19 to Sunderland. This one, on paper, tricky game. Sunderland quite in good form, but so did the Borough. The Borough won the last three. Sunderland hadn't lost in four or five. Um, cagey first half, as you'd, uh, as you'd usually expect from uh, from a local derby. Um, uh, and just before the ref blew for the end of the first half, um, Dan Neal took it upon himself to uh, have a go at the referee for what he what he determined to be a, a, a questionable decision that he must have made seconds earlier. Um, to which the ref was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to take that." Uh, and gave him a second yellow card, uh, which which is uh, afternoon quite prematurely. Um, never mind. So sent Sunderland down to ten men for the entirety of the second half. Uh, Middlesbrough didn't exactly wait around uh, to uh, to make him pay for that. 
Um, uh, Dale Fry picked up the ball, drove down the left-hand side, uh, cut the ball back for Sam Greenwood to... Uh, it, it was a bit. It was a bit tricky to see how he did it at first, but he, he basically just one of those little sort of stabbed finishes where he just gets in front of the defender and hits it high into the roof of the net. Um, keeper had no chance really, um, so put the game, put the Borough one 0 up for that one. It was uh, soon too. Um, I was um, sadly urinating in a uh, German beer establishment in Manchester when the second goal went in, so I didn't see this one live. I had to be. Uh, I had to watch the replays and be told about it by the table full of Middlesbrough fans that were sat next to us, which was a delight. Um, Isaiah Jones, you found a full uh, carried ball on the right side. Say again. You found a full table full. Yeah, there was there was a table of about five or six of them, and then on the up on the opposite side was a table of six Sunderland fans that were there for a rave. Wow. So, it had the uh, lovely stuff. It had the it had the. Uh, the chance to turn a bit tasty, but it, it didn't. We uh, we all we all were on our best behaviour. Uh, yeah, the second goal, Isaiah Jones picked up the ball on the right side, drove into the box, and just drove uh, just drove, drove the ball across the uh, across the goal line where Matt Crooks was there, just tapping from about two yards out again, and the one the ones that he just couldn't miss. Um, the third uh, came about when um, substitute Morgan Rogers picked up the ball in around the uh, the centre circle. Um, a lovely little reverse ball into the path of Isaiah Jones to run onto. Um, he managed to uh, stick a defender on his ass and slip the ball uh, underneath the keeper and through his legs for 3-0. And then for the fourth, uh, another substitute, Emmanuel Latte Laff, um, cutting in from the left-hand side, had an effort that was on target, saved by the keeper, who just pushed it straight into Marcus Forbes' path. For him to bundle the, home, uh, the bundle the ball home for a fourth, a Middlesbrough's highest ever win, at the Stadium of Light. Lovely stuff. You love to see it. Predictions-wise, myself, Stu and Matt had all gone for draws. Stu had gone 1-1 with Bellingham and Crooks. Let's go. So I guess let's have a point for Crooks. I had gone 2-2 with Clark and Bellingham to score for Sunderland. McGree and Crooks to score for the Burrett. So I get a point from, uh, for... Um, I'm calling Garth Crooks there. I hope it's not Garth Crooks. It's a very different game. <laughs> um, Matt had also gone 2 2 with Clark and Bellingham to score for Sunderland, McGree and Latte Laff to score for the Borough. So sadly, no points for Mr. Moore there. Um, Andy had gone for a 2 1 Borough win. Well done, Andrew. Gets himself a point for the result. Burstow to score for Sunderland, Latte Laff and Fours to score for the Borough, so gets himself a bonus point for the Fours goal there. Sadly, Ryan McGree was injured in the lead-up to this game, so didn't even make the squad. And um, we might actually get on to Ryan McGree later on, as he won't play in the Australia-England game, sadly, uh, as he's injured and had to withdraw from the squad. Those of you watching on YouTube have just seen Matt curse that and uh, furiously change his predictions for a game later on in the podcast. He might he might well, have got injured by playing extra in the week because uh, he was in last week's FIFA team of or not FIFA team of the week and uh, I got him as a player on ultimate team. So uh, well, there you go. Everyone's uh, finally found out that Riley McGree is the real deal. Our second game of the week took us over to London and Bermondsey. Maybe there was the Bermondsey beer mile. Hopefully not whilst they were playing the game. As it was Millwall versus Hull City. How did this one pan out in the end, Mr. Woodman? 
certainly started with a bit of a hangover um, because after eight minutes, podcast former semi-regular um, Duncan Watmore scored. Uh, Millwall had a free kick. There was a very mishit clearance. Watmore was first to it and beat Alsop at his near post. So that was two things within the space of 30 seconds which just could have been sort of not, you know. The mishit clearance should have cleared it. Keeper getting beat on his near post. Don't get me started on that. So, it, yeah, didn't exactly start to plan. However, on 25 minutes, Jaden Philogene opened the scoring for Hull. It was a long ball from Sean McLaughlin to Philogene beating the offside trap and then just slotted it in nicely. So you remember um, when I've complained a little bit before about that stupid woman who sits behind me and says we have to play out from the back every week. Yet another game goes by. Yet another goal is scored when we have a plan B. Just, uh, just saying. Um, from that point, City kind of took over. Uh, Philogene pounced on a slack header uh, back to the Millwall keeper. Cut it back to Traore, who lashed it in five minutes after Philogene had scored to make it 2-1 to Hull. And then we got to half-time. Millwall made a double substitution and changed to five at the back. And it completely worked a treat on Hull. Uh, it was, they they equalised on 54 minutes with Brian scoring. I mean, that is his surname. I'm not just on first name terms with the uh, Millwall left back. <laughs> what was he doing up there, to be honest? But it was a good finish for a left back. Just cut it in and absolutely drilled it across goal. Um, keeper had no chance. But yeah, finished 2 2. Well, from a predictions perspective, obviously the most optimistic one was Mr. Andrew Cook, who had gone for a 2 0 hull win. Sadly, neither Syed Manesh nor, sadly now cursed via the podcast, Aaron Connolly netted. So no points for Mr. Cook. Mr. Woodmansey was also surprisingly optimistic on this one, but hadn't gone for 2-0, he'd gone for 2-1 to hold. So for a time being, he was correct. Uh, Watmore to score for Millwall. Delap and Philogene. To score for Hull, so it doesn't get the result correct. When, when, bonus points. when the scores are coming through, I was like, Oh, what more scored? I was like, Ah, oh, man, oh, but it's a point. And then Philogene uh, equalized, and I was like, Oh, I, I, hang on a minute. And then when we went 2 1 up and I saw it was Traore, I was almost a little bit disappointed for 30 seconds. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! You can't, you, you can't win, can you? Uh, myself and Mr. Moore, however, had gone for 1 1 draws on this one. Sadly, neither has got goal scorers. I had Nisbet and, uh, and Delap, whereas Matt had Honeyman and Delap. So after two games, myself, I have two points from two games. Stu has three points from two games. Matt, the one point from two games. Andy, two points from two games. Our third game of the week took us to Cheltenham Town, where they were taking on Derby. Now, this is uh, this bear in mind we'd said last week was. Uh, a Cheltenham Town side who had gone 11 games at the start of the season without scoring. So what do they need? They need Derby to come into town and do them a bit of a favour. And that's exactly what they did when Street opened the scoring for Cheltenham. I imagine that was quite a horrific coupon buster for the majority of the uh, of the UK and anyone else putting on bets. Sadly, they couldn't keep the um, the, the the lead as... Nelson slammed in an equaliser for Derby in injury time. Uh, sorry, injury time at the end of the first half. 
And that's how the game actually uh, how it, how it actually ended. It, it, panned, it panned out as a 1-1 draw in the end. None of us had gone for a draw. Myself, Stu and Matt had all gone for Derby wins, whereas Andy had gone for a Cheltenham win. Um, and sadly, between the, uh, between the four of us, none of us picked either of the goal scorers. So, blanks on that one across the board. No points for anyone. We'll move swiftly on to Crystal Palace versus Nottingham Forest for the other piece of the uh, the bread that was the uh, live football for the day on Saturday. Obviously, we were the opening piece of bread. Nottingham Forest being the closing piece of bread in this particular sandwich. How did this one pan out, Mr Moore? As good as your analogy there. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him to have a dig and call it a shit sandwich then, but, you know, we didn't quite get that far. I don't know. There was some exotic meat in there. There was uh, there was tiger meat. There was ram. There was a bit of robin in there. And a, and a lion. I was trying to wait for Millwall. Uh, a nil-nil draw. I kind of by the sound of it, and even the highlights on the uh, match of the day. A nil-nil. It was quite an entertaining nil-nil draw. Um, but well, you haven't got a whole lot to talk about with it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw Match of the Day, but Match of the Day decided to shithouse Forest at the end of it by having Ulm goal, near goal of the month kind of thing. So they kind of, so if anybody does want to see it, I think it's still on BBC iPlayer. So obviously Forest must have had the best chances. I didn't really see, it. apart from, I mean, I think Palace had a, a kind of pretty much an open goal and uh, Tete, is it, smashed it wide. But Gibbs White had a, a really good kind of cushioned, uh, well, Murillo pinged in a ball and he kind of cushioned a volley over the keeper, but hit the post and came back out. Murillo then himself picked up the ball on the halfway line, had an amazing run, did a little kind of roll over with his foot, like proper kind of, when someone says Brazilian defender to you, he's all the cliches you'd expect of a Brazilian defender. Unfortunately, couldn't finish it. And uh, Monteal as well also had like a Paolo De Canio esque scissor volley kind of thing. So worth going to watch on uh, Match of the Day just for those near goal of the month. F you, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, and whoever else was there for your smart ass comments. Um, <laughs> but I think. On the kind of positive side of it, I think Forrest dominated the match from the kind of what the reports and stuff like that, which is a massive progress from last season where we went to Palace and had like 20% possession, whereas this time we had over half the possession. We seem to be kind of dominating the games a bit better against teams that are around us. So, but we had nine points, eight games in which is decent. Yeah. Obviously, like, if, you, if you sort of work off the 38-game principle, game, a point a game roughly gets you there or thereabouts for the average like 40 points, keeps you up, sort of, points tally. So you take it. Well, with some of the um, bad teams this year. Yes. Yeah, there is also that. Predictions-wise, Andy had gone for a 1-0 Forest win. Sadly, no points there. I had gone for a 2-1 
Palace. Sorry, Andy went for a 1-0 Forest win, I believe. I think I said Forest there. Uh, Palace. I'd gone for a 2-1 Palace win. Sadly, no points there. Stu and Matt both went for 1-1 draws. So, get themselves a point for the result. Obviously, no goal scorers in the game. So, no bonus points there. Um, which leads us to our last game of the week. Which was an EFL trophy game. Um, and hopefully, we were all hopeful that this would bring, this would bring the end of the Derby County curse. So, we wouldn't have to talk about them anymore. Sadly, the other team from Nottingham couldn't do us a favour. Notts County losing this one. 1-2 on the night. Maurice getting the goal for Notts County. But Louis Sibley with two goals for Derby means that sadly, going into week 12 next week, we will have to predict more Derby games, sadly. I've realised where we're going wrong with this. All we, all we need to do is put money on Derby to win. Now that, now that might be the correct answer. Simple solution, completely overlooked all this time. 50p Derby to win, and we'll be done. I think it's worth. I think it's worth at least 50p of Any, anybody's anyone's money. money. So we'll we'll try our best, ladies and gentlemen, for next week. Um, predictions wise, uh, I'd gone for a one nil. Not County win with Langstaff to score, so no points for me, sadly. Um, Andy had also gone for a 1-0 win with Langstaff, so no points for him, sadly. Stu and Matt had both gone for Derby wins, so get themselves a point. Stu had gone 2-0. Waghorn and Collins, so no points for goal scorers, which to point for the result. Matt had gone 3-1 to Derby. None of the goal scorers either. So, at the end of the week, all it means is that from five games, myself and Andy both ended with two points. Matt ended with three points from five games, but winning this week, Mr. Womanty, with an average of a point a game. Five from five. Well played, sir. As we said, it's international break, so there's only two games to cover, and they're both England games, so we might be able to rattle through this pretty quickly and get you all out of here nice and early so you can go and have your supper. The first game sees England taking on Australia. I know you're thinking... No, you haven't tuned into the cricket podcast. This is football, and it is the England football team versus the Australia football team being played at Wembley, I believe. Um, it's no one's team, so there's no one to go last or first. So I'll just dive in as I've got man written in the book. I've gone for a 2-0 England win with Watkins and Nketia to score the goals. You, what have you gone for? Also gone for a 2-0 England win, but I have got, some of, again, some of the younger guys. I've got Bowen and Foden. OK. Matt? I've gone a bit more optimistic than you, because um, I looked at the uh, Socceroos squad and knew one player. <laughs> or maybe two, sorry. Two, I'd rec- two names I recognise. Um, so I've gone for a 4-1 England win. Stat padder extraordinaire. We'll get two in. So just in case you weren't sure, that's Harry Kane. Just in case anybody was wondering. Got to pad those stats. Got to make sure those uh, that to- to- goal total keeps on totting up a bit more. Uh, I've also gone for an Ollie Watkins goal. And the Jude Bellingham goal. 
to the Socceroos, I've gone for Massimo Luongo, because I am that guy. And that childish. Very nice. Yeah. Um, obviously, Matt saying that he recognised two names in the uh, Australian squad is, uh, is quite quite depressing for a Borough fan, as uh, we had three players called up to the squad. So, uh, <laughs> whoops a daisy. Uh, Andy. One of them not Harry Kewell? Is that how this works? <laughs> no, I think Mark Viduka might have been there as well. So, uh. <laughs> Andrew? Uh, just just 2-0, Rashford and Kane. Somebody agrees. Somebody agrees wholeheartedly. That's it. Marcus Bradford and Harold. You did say Kane, didn't you? Exquisite. Our last game of the week is not an it is an international, but it is a qualifier for Euro 2024. It is England, and they're taking on Italy. Um, slightly tougher on paper, you'd imagine, than Australia. Maybe. I mean, Italy don't have Sammy Silvera in their squad, though, do they? So they can't be expected to do much. Uh, Andy, what have you got for this one? Similar but different. A 2-1 England win. Um, little similarities. I've gone Saka and Kane for the two. Saka is injured and not able to play. Then they should Then they should update their freaking website. Uh, <laughs> was, was Watkins on the list? I seem to think he was the last one on the list. I'll have Watkins and Kane then. And there was absolutely no... No chance I was going to miss up the opportunity to say Raspadori for, for Italy. Raspadori in the book. Mr. Moore, what have you got for England versus Italy? I've gone for an England 2-1 win. Yep. I've gone for Kane and Bellingham. Yep. And Chiesa score for uh, Italy. Mr. Woodman C? Not as optimistic as you guys. I've gone for England one all. <laughs> They're going to win one all. Uh, so, Kane for England because it's a qualifier and that's what he does. And similar to Mr. Cook in the respect of just enjoy the name Raspadori. So, there we go. I, I do like the way that. Um, Arteta, you know, the, the Premier League managers particularly don't enjoy it when their players go off on uh, international duty and get smacked. So this time around, they were like, ooh, well, Saka might play at the weekend. When's your squad announcement, Gareth? Friday night. Yeah, yeah, he might play at the weekend. Then nowhere near the squad at the weekend. So, yeah, it uh, almost felt like it was a little bit of revenge from the Premier League managers. Quite rightly, too. Uh, I have gone, uh, in, a, in a very similar way, to Matt and Andy for a 2-1 England win. i for Kane and Bowen to score with Pognali to get the goal for Italy. Obviously, Pognali is one of the few Italy players that's now based in the UK, uh, having uh, signed for Newcastle. So I do feel a little bit dirty having picked a Newcastle player to score, but you got to do it sometimes, haven't you? It's, it's one of them. 
it works both ways though because then you feel bad for doing it and if it happens you'll feel worse but at least some good will come from it well I suppose and I suppose at the end of the day as well you've got to bear in mind that they're the greatest team that's ever existed because you know they managed to beat PSG 4-1 in the Champions League and no one's I think it's the first time in history that that score's ever been like sort of seen so it's it, it, it must be groundbreaking and you know who, who, who can say, I mean, who are we to say that Newcastle are, the, you know, the, the greatest thing since sliced arseholes? That's the year, uh, that's the end of it, ladies and gentlemen. That is, I told you it was a quick one this week when it's international break. Unfortunately, it's not the longest of podcasts as there's not much to break down or go through. So, uh, just, a, just, a, just a little one to, to whet your whistle this week. Uh, join us again next week where we'll go much more in depth into the games that Borough, Forest, Hull and Abbey have got looking for to look forward to in, uh, in week 12 slash 13. But until then, it's goodbye from all of us and we'll see you in about seven days' time. Tatty guy. So there you go, what do you think of that? A week of football gone, a week of England football to come and we'll be back to the, uh, to the more local stuff the week after. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening. Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. Uh, Check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button for you to get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.